the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. This is Exploring the Word, Bertie and Alex today, and we're in John chapter 6. We went over feeding the 5,000 and Jesus walking on the water. Today, we're going to answer the question that some people were asking, how did Jesus get to the other side? Uh, So we're excited about this, and we hope you will take your Bible if you have a copy, and it's where you can, and join us as we make our journey through John chapter 6. Alex, again, each chapter in the book of John seems so real. It, I, I think the reason it's so good is because of the conversations that Jesus has with individuals in groups that John records and the miracles that he says and, and shares that shows that he is the very Son of God. And it grows in anticipation. What's going to happen next? And so when I read the book of John, it, it really... One of the reasons I think that we say one of the best books you can read after you're saved is the Gospel of John, I think it's because he it it's relatable because he's talking about conversations that he's had with different people, and, and people can pick up on that, can't they? Well, they really can. They really can. And, Bert, it's great to be with you on Exploring the Word today in John chapter 6. And uh, regular listeners may know that later on in the program we take calls. And if you want to call in with a Bible question, I'm going to give that number. It's 888 589 if you want to get ready with your questions here later on. But after the, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, which was seen by a multitude, Then Jesus walked on the water, seen by just a few, the disciples in the boat. But he he teaches in Capernaum, and Bert, um, have you ever been to a marina, Bert, and and all the boats are tied up around there? Well, you know, it can get, you know, traffic on the water can be heavy. Well, Jesus goes and uh, says that there, there was the boat, but Jesus was not with them, and all these other boats from Tiberias came near unto the place where they did eat bread, uh, the miracle. And you just get this picture there on the seaside town at Capernaum that there was a, a traffic jam of boats pulling up, hoping to see this one teaching the truths of God and doing the miracles. Do you get that impression? Yeah, I agree with you, and it is exciting. Marinas are they're fun to look at because you see all the different kind of boats. And I know they we they were mainly working boats. They weren't leisure boats. But it, the same effect is there, Alex. And again, uh, they got into the boat and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. That's who they wanted to see. And and again, this is in the northern uh, part. This is in Galilee, and he is. I mean, people are swarming to him. And uh, he's going to clear some of that crowd out, Alex. That's, uh, he wasn't impressed with large crowds, was he? Well, he knew people's heart. The Bible says he knew all men. And Jesus knew the ones that were seeking God. And he also knew the ones that were seeking to witness a sensationalistic sign. Um, you know, like uh, when Jesus was... Um, before Herod, who wanted to see a miracle. And Jesus, let me just say, uh, then as now, Jesus is not um, here to perform parlor tricks for the curious. He, he knows people's hearts. And so for those that were seeking salvation and an experience with the true and living God, Jesus would give all the time possible. But for those that just wanted to see uh, what, you know, a miracle or, or a sign... You know, he said, really, uh, those that demand a miraculous sign, you know, had a hard heart. But they, uh, the boats, they go looking. Verse 24 of John 6, it says, The people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples. They also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. In other words, they're following their boats around the coastline looking for him. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, 
Rabbi, when did you come over here? <laughs> Jesus verily answered and said, I say unto you, you seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perish, perisheth, but for that meat which endures unto everlasting life. You know, Isaiah 55, 1 through 7 is a, a scripture I really love that asks this question, why do you seek for that which is not bread? You know, why do you seek for that which does not really fill you up? Some people were looking to see miracles. Some people just wanted to know when the next mealtime was. You know, he multiplied loaves and fishes. Well, hey, I'll when there's free food. Now, let me just say this. And, Bert, I've been a part of I don't know how many church, hot dog suppers, trunk or treat. Uh, you know, you can get a 1,000 people to come to the church when you're giving away free food, and, and I'm happy to do that. We've, the church where Angie and I go, our ministry, we've, we've given away a lot of free food that we work to raise money for. But let me say this. Don't go to church just if they're giving something free away. Yeah. Go, go to church because, like verse 27, you're seeking the meat that results in everlasting life, which is the truth of the gospel. I think there's some truth in this. Now, you remember Jesus in the wilderness? Uh, he was, there he was, say, turn these stones into bread. Jesus wasn't into the bread business. He said, go to the temple and jump off and let the angel save you. He said, I'm not in the entertainment business. And here he has these two times. They wanted to see a sign. Oh, did you see that? So they would talk about it. They wanted the food, free food, feed others. But Jesus refused to go that way. He refused to be the king uh, that they wanted him to be. He knew the king that he needed to be under God. He knew what he came to do. And, yes, he did feed the 5,000. Yes, he did signs. But his business wasn't the bread business or the entertainment business. His business was the to please the Father. I came to do my Father's will. So Alex, and he said, that's what he finishes up here in verse 27. The Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. God's Bert. got my calling, and I'm following him. Go ahead, Alex. Well, exactly. And by the way, I'm just looking here at John 6, 26 through 29, and there, there are several things that are not the same as the gospel. Now, folks, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our forgiveness. Christ paid our sin debt on the cross, rose from the dead. You put your faith in him, and you can be saved. But you don't seek after God merely to witness a, a miracle. You don't seek after God for what you can get out of it, free food. But there's another thing, verse 28. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Being saved is not seeking after some spiritual power for yourself. Bert, I, I've had people ask me, uh, what do I think of the horoscopes? I, I think you ought to never, never read it and stay away from it. And if you did ever go to a fortune teller or palm reader or horoscope, then ask forgiveness and don't ever go back there. All right, Christianity is not that you seek some fortune-telling divination or something. Jesus answered, verse 29, and said, This is the work of God, that you believe on him who he hath sent. That's like it's in First John. It says, This is the commandment, that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Bert and I have done a message before, one time you and I recorded several years back, three convincing characteristics that do not equal salvation. Well, here's a similar one. It's not just to see signs and wonders. It's not just to get free food. And it's not to seek some, you know, fortune-telling spiritual power. This is what God is calling you to, to believe in Jesus Christ, sent by the Father to be our Savior. And they responded, they didn't get it. Therefore, they said to him, verse 30, What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? We're not going to follow you just on your words. We're gonna, we want to see this work. What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. 
as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Aren't you going to give me bread? Aren't you going to feed us? And Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, verse 32, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread. Now, here's one of the greatest statements in all the Bible. Jesus said in verse 35, I am the bread of life. He Mm. who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Now, I'm going to stop there. He He said more. But, Alex, I am the bread of life. I am he. He who comes to me shall never hunger. Sounded a little bit like what he said to the woman at the well about thirst. So here he is, the two essentials for life, physical life, water and bread. And what does he say? These are essential for spiritual life. I am the water and I am the bread of life. Great mm. statement, isn't it? Well, amen. You know, back in John four twenty six, he said, I that speak unto thee am he. And so an I am. Who is the Messiah? Jesus says, I am he. John six thirty five. I am the bread of life. Well, you know, the great I am is the eternal God, and and periodically Jesus would refer to himself as the I am. And Bert, let me just say this. I know that we we read the word, and it just, uh, we, C.S. Lewis said this. He said when he read the Gospels, you know, and here was a man who had, his whole professional career as an Oxford professor was literature. And he said when he read the four Gospels, they were unlike anything else he had ever read. He said he knew it wasn't myth, it was truth, it had the ring of truth. And, of course, there's evidence, you know, that we've talked about how the Holy Land has been, you know, excavated and all of the history and archaeology proves this. Of course, there's the empty tomb. But I want to say that there is just a certain beauty and majesty and poetry that tells me this is something special. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. Uh, Bert, there is just something profound and divine about this because it is the Word of God. It is the Word of God. It is settled in heaven. If you're going to follow him, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word, God's word, it is truth. We're going to return for more of John 6 here on Exploring the Word right after we come back. Paul writes, when one part of the body suffers, we suffer together. This is Bible League International, and the persecuted church around the world is paying a heavy price simply for following the Lord Jesus Christ. Warlocks burned down the home and shanty church that Emilio pastors in Chiapas, Mexico, near the border of Guatemala. And these male witches, they surrounded the homes of church members so they couldn't leave for two weeks. All of this because Christians oppose their pagan worship, but they lovingly share the gospel with those who persecute them. Listen, hundreds have come to Christ, and when I ask these heroes of the faith, how can we pray for you? They never say pray for an end to our suffering because they know God's working through it. What they pray for is that new believers will be able to endure and persevere under tremendous hardship. And you can do that when you can open your own Bible and be reminded of God's precious promises. $5 sends a Bible, $50 sends 10, $500 sends 100. Please, in this season of giving, pray about it and then call 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD or give it sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org. Dr. Tony Evans says one reason Jesus came to earth was to do something he couldn't do from heaven. We'll find out what that is as we spend two minutes with Tony. Every man born since Adam did not meet the righteous standard to be the one through whom God could reclaim the earth and bring the kingdom up there and manifest it down here. So what God decided to do was become a man. So he became a man, the deity of heaven entered the egg of a woman. So now we've got a man without sin because he's the God man. But the reason he died was to render powerless the authority of the devil and to free people up to fulfill the purpose for him putting man here in the first place. 
So Jesus died so that the devil would have no more claims on you, me, or any other person. Which means, if the devil still has claim on you, either you are not saved or you don't understand what it means to be saved because the reason Jesus died was to take handcuffs off of you by taking the key away from the devil who holds you hostage. He says it is to set you free from the power of the devil. If that kind of freedom seems out of reach, Dr. Tony Evans wants you to know that it's really as close as your next breath. Visit TonyEvans.org, click on the Jesus link in the top menu, and let him explain what being a real Christian is all about. You'll also find some free resources you can download to help you get your new life started. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. John chapter 6, John chapter 6, over and over has the words from Jesus, I am. Verse 35 says, I am the bread of life. Verse 41, I am the bread which has come down from heaven. Verse 48, again, I am the bread of life. Verse 51, I am the living bread. Bert, I believe that the Lord was trying to get across to his listeners that he is God incarnate (laughs) And the one who can, for each and every believer, he can grant everlasting life. Folks, this is Exploring the Word. Bert Harper, Alex McFarland. You're listening to the American Family Radio Network, and we're so grateful that you are. But um, whenever a preacher repeats something, that means it's important. And the Lord is repeatedly calling himself the I Am. He does. Again, matter of fact, We've talked about these numbers, and and there's 11 conversations that Jesus has in John. There's seven seven miracles that he does in John. But guess how many I am's? Now, this is one chapter, and he says, I am the bread. But listen to this. There's six more. In in John 8, 12, he said, I am the light. In John 10, 7 through 9, he is, I am the door. In John 10, uh, 10, again, verses 11, 14, he is the good shepherd. In chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, he says, I am the resurrection. In chapter 14, verse 6, very famous, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then finally, John 15, I am the vine. Alex, it is compounded. This I am, John, more than any other book, demonstrates, tells, and shows he is the very Son of God. And any time he would use this I am, it goes back to what God said to Moses, tell them that I am that I am has sent thee. And so the I am that I am has come. You know, he has come and is dwelling among them. And they're they're beholding his glory. They're beholding his words. And so, yeah, he he fed the 5,000. He healed. But more than that is his presence. God with us. What a Mm. statement that Jesus says, I am. Well, you know, in John chapter 6 are several of the verses that, you know, in in the context of exploring the Word, you know, 10 years ago when we began to work on this program, more than 10 years ago actually, you know, we were just teaching the Bible and didn't quite know how it would all come together. But in sharing the gospel uh, and seeing people get saved and seeing people get assurance, a number of verses that we've quoted over and over uh, one is John six thirty seven that says, you know, him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Isn't that beautiful? John six forty. This is the will of God of him that sent me. Okay, folks, if if you want to know the will of Almighty God, here's what it is. Everyone who sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life. And here's Jesus' promise to you. I will raise you up at the last day. John six forty. We, we love that verse. Now, in verse 41, it says the Jews murmured. In verse 52, it says that they strove or struggled with himself because they're, they're saying, well, wait, wait a minute. 
Jesus, he's doing all these miracles. He's claiming to forgive sin. He says the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He says he's the bread of life. He says he came from heaven. He says he is doing the work of the Father. says he knows the Father. And he says that uh, in verse 51, he says uh, to eat the bread of life is to partake of his flesh. Now, Bert, I happen to believe verse 51 contains a reference to his impending crucifixion. He says, my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now, they're trying to get all this, and in their mind, I've got to believe, they're thinking, well, wait a minute, this this man is claiming to be the Messiah, and he's doing all the things only that the Messiah could do, but in verse 51, he it's kind of a, certainly they wouldn't have understood it at this point yet, but he says he's going to give his body for the life of the world. I think Jesus knew from early on that he would be, as John the Baptist said, that Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. I agree with you, Alex, and what he's saying, he says, this bread uh, that you, you were, I'm presenting to you came down from heaven. Notice, again, you can't help but notice these repeated words. You already said the I am's, but notice something else that is repeated. Came down from heaven in verse 32. 33, comes down from heaven in verse 38. Come down from heaven. Again and again, he comes down from heaven. I am sent from God. I am God. I am the bread of life. I am the one that you've been waiting on. And Alex, again, he said, I came to do the Father's will. Uh, again, in verse 21, uh, 27, he says, because the God, the Father, has set his seal upon him, on him to do his will. And here it is, like you said in verse 51, giving them a glimpse of what's coming. They can't understand it all, but it's like the Old Testament. They start... Uh, all, all four in all four of the Gospels, John's writings, Peter's writings, Jude, when he wrote his, James, they go back to the Old Testament and they said, oh, man, that was talking about Messiah. That's talking about Jesus. And they come and they put it in their writings. And I believe this is one of them that, you know, this is what is done. Now, one more thing I want to say, uh, we've already referred to Moses and, and, and the burning bush, but also uh, Moses leading the children of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. What did they do after they got into the desert? They started doing what? Murmuring. Murmur. It <laughs> seems like they they had they had that down pat, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And I've got to believe um, one of the things that most grieves the heart of God among believers is murmuring, because you know mur- what do you call it? Murmur, gossip, sarcasm a critical spirit, all those things really come from ingratitude, don't they? They, they do. Amen. Well, Alex, great point. And, yeah. and, and when, you're, when, you, when you don't see God's purpose for you, you don't realize what God has for you. Another word for that is complaining. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. murmuring. Oh, do you, uh, They try to do it under breath and do it with one another, not do it too loud when they murmur, but it, it's loud when a bunch of people start doing it. And yes. here they are, they're complaining, this is not what I wanted. I wanted him to feed us. I wanted him to do more signs. I, is that ex- they murmured because their expectations are not meeting, and it's their expectations of God rather than God's expectations for them? Mm, wow. Well, it's, it's like um, Abraham Lincoln, you know, during his time, they said something like, um, Uh, is God on our side? And he said, well, the question is, are we on God's side? You know, Um, well, so let's talk a little bit about what some have said among the hard sayings of Jesus. Now, verse 60 talks about a hard saying because, and let's just talk about this. Jesus says in 54 and following, whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. My flesh is meat indeed, and the wording there really means true true sub- substance, food, true nutrition. So Christ begins to talk about his flesh and his blood. Now very often in preaching, we'll say, 
You know, Jesus was nailed to the cross, and his blood was shed uh, to wash our sin away. Uh, his blood was spilled to wash away sin. So it might make some people uncomfortable to talk about flesh and blood. And here, uh, Jesus is talking about eating flesh and blood. And the people there, you know, you want to murmur about a miracle. Well, people murmured for sure now because they were beginning to say, this is a hard saying. Who can who can hear it or bear it? Or why is he saying? And f- finally, and Bert will conclude this chapter where he as some people wander away, Jesus says to the disciples, does this offend you? But before we get to there and these wonderful words that, that Peter says, um, let's talk about why Jesus set before his listeners such a graphic, you know, hard saying, eat his flesh and drink his blood. I've got some ideas, but Bert, what do you think? Well, I really believe it. First of all, it's truth when you look at it from the spiritual point of view. And he explains that later on when he says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak, you are spirit and they are life. And, and so Alex, the whole idea here, he, he is thinning the crop. He really is. I don't yeah, know how else yeah. to say it. He said, you think this is hard? You hadn't heard anything. If you can't take this, you know what's going to happen later. You're going to fall by the wayside. So he's thinning it out with what? With truth. Truth always does that, Alex. Truth Mm -hmm. is always to be held up. Yes, we're to be filled with mercy. Yes, we're to be caring and loving, but not at the expense of truth. And they wanted that mercy. They wanted that without truth because, but if you have that, Alex, guess what? You have everything wobbling. You're unstable, you know, and that's the whole idea. But Jesus is weeding them out, thinning them out and saying, if you're going to follow me all the way, you got to be ready. And this this, this is nothing compared to what else is going to happen. Well, you know, um, I've I've mentioned this name. I'll be very brief, and I want to get to uh, 66 through 71. Jordan Peterson, one of the most brilliant men on the planet right now, um, he has put out videos saying that, look, church, if you want to make true disciples, ask harder things, not easier things. He said, by, by trying to make the gospel relevant, uh, we're succeeding in making it irrelevant. And and he says, especially to win men to your church. Now listen to this, those that are involved in church. Don't don't dumb it down and sweeten it up, says Jordan Peterson. Make it harder. Tell people let people know that to be a disciple of Jesus means that we're we're literally going to put our whole life, our obedience, everything in his hands. And like you say, Bert. Jesus, this is an intentional attrition plan. He's thinning the herd because he says, look, if this offends you, um, you know, then you can't be my disciple because uh, if if you want something sweet and easy, then uh, perhaps Christianity is not for you because if you're going to take up your cross and follow Jesus, it means that you're going to give him your life and maybe even for the sake of the gospel, you'll give up your life. Bert, I just, and listen, 20 years ago when I first began to get into publishing and broadcasting, and I was in many a meeting where people would say, how can we make the gospel relevant? And if y'all can imagine me, I said, look, the the gospel of Jesus is the only thing that is relevant. Uh, At any time, anywhere, (laughs) any place. Well, Alex, you are hitting it. And I want to make one real still because we've got to get to this last part. But you remember in 1955, Jim Elliott and Nate Sane and the three other missionaries that were killed in Ecuador, and they thought, oh, man, people's going to do this. Guess what happened? More young people. Yeah, they died, but more young people volunteered for the mission field after that. Really? Yes. You see, you're talking about that challenge. Yes, the challenge is there. And and listen, you remember, I mean, look at American history. Go west, young man, go west. What did yes. they do? They left the comfort of the eastern seaboard and went west. Uh, they le- Even before that, 
the Mayflower, they left those things where it was comfortable and came to a new world where they had to carve out of the wilderness. And and do you remember, all right, when Lewis and Clark were getting up people for their expedition to survey the Western territories, also for the Pony Express, they basically said, we need tough, you'll work hard, you'll ride all night long, you'll, you may die and never come back, but will you help <laughs> us map out the rest of the continent and you, you may not live to tell about it. And they had more sign-ups than they even could do with. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Let's get to this because we don't need, Let me set it up and I will let you take it out. Jesus knew where, who they were that did not believe from the very beginning, verse 64, and even who would betray him. Therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it was granted to him by the Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back. They turned back and walked no more with him. Then, verse 67, Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We also have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. What a declaration, Alex. Oh, my goodness. This is some of my most favorite verses in all the Gospel of John. And if this was a movie, this would be the climactic turning point in the story. Bert, I've got to believe from John 6, verse 66 to 71, they're sitting around, people have left, they've murmured, you know, and Jesus says, are you going to go away also? Peter says, Lord, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. And maybe there was a little pause, and all the disciples are looking around, and Peter speaks for the group. We believe and are sure that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I, I believe the disciples and all who remained, their commitment level reached a new depth. This this was a, kind of a, a moment of truth, wasn't it? It really was, and you can't help but notice what John did. There was one of the twelve that wasn't quite there. Because Jesus said, did I not choose you, the 12, and one of you is a devil? And, of mm. course, Judas is carried. Peter, he was, man, he was speaking for the majority, the 11. And this could not help but convict Judas. He knew he wasn't there. He knew he hadn't come. If you're there and you hear how great Jesus is and you hear everybody talking about it, but you know you've never received him, we ask you to receive him today. Ask him to be Lord of your life. Surrender to him and say, Jesus, I'm yours. We're going to take phone calls. That number, 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Election Day is November 8th. For the first time, iVoterGuide is covering select statewide ballot measures, some of which will affect voter identification laws and abortion. This important part of your voter guide is available now and can be found at the bottom of your personalized iVoterGuide ballot. To see the arguments for and against and other research, click on the More button or the amendment title. For all this information and more, please visit iVoterGuide.com. That's iVoterGuide.com. Big Tech is blatantly censoring conservative and Christian content, and today's issues made sure you're aware. The control of information is stunning. Dr. Scott Atlas, one part of the president's team on coronavirus, cited information out of Europe on the lack of value of wearing masks, and Twitter has removed him. If the issues affect you and your family, today's issues will keep you informed. Weekday mornings at 10 Central on AFR, or listen to the podcast anytime at AFR.net. This year has just flown by. I know. It's already November. As 2022 comes to a close, the AFA Foundation would like to invite you to make a planned gift to American Family Association. With a planned gift, you partner with American Family Association and become a Christian patriot, an activist, a broadcaster, a Bible teacher, a servant, and an evangelist advancing God's kingdom in America. Consider the many ways your planned gift can help restore a biblical worldview in our nation, as well as bring financial stability to your family. A planned gift can take the form of a charitable gift annuity, an IRA charitable rollover, or a gift of stock that helps you avoid capital gains tax. And many of these benefits can be achieved with a surprisingly modest gift. Contact the AFA Foundation and learn more about making a planned gift. 
Call 800-326-4543, extension 345. Or visit our website at afafoundation.net. So then, you will know them by their fruits. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The U.S. Army's 101st Airborne Division has been deployed to Europe for the first time since World War II amid soaring tension between Russia and the American-led NATO military alliance. Nicknamed the Screaming Eagles, the 101st Airborne is trained to deploy on any battlefield in the world within hours, ready to fight, and they are now practicing for war with Russia only three miles away from Romania's border with Ukraine. The stated deployment purpose is to support our NATO allies. It's harrowing to consider, but with Russia's nuclear saber-rattling, has the stage been set for World War III? Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for the Hamilton Corner, or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Be silent before me so that I may speak. Then let come upon me what may. Why should I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in my hands? Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Job 13, 13 through 15. American Family Radio. You are the light. So when the darkness falls, the greatest heights, they never seem so tall, no, not at all. You're right. It's my roots that you're growing. Don't want to miss what you're showing. Ain't no doubt about you. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland, Bert Harper, and so glad you're listening. Hey, I want to give this number, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. We'll take your calls. And I've got to give some big uh, thank you to Brent Austin, who is uh, our engineer. That bumper music, the um, I think it's called The Blessing. Uh, but that's I just like that song. It's a modern, contemporary Christian song, and they they put in the bumpers. Bert, our our back uh, backroom engineers, producers, call screeners, they sure do treat us good, don't they? They do. Now we we get all the people. Oh, we enjoy y'all so much. Let me tell you, you wouldn't hear anything if it was wasn't for these guys. Exactly. They're up there running, knowing what buttons to push and knowing what slides to put up and put down. So it's amazing. And we listen, we give them a shout out and uh we we just thank God for them. And Brent has been uh he's been here about six or seven months now and man, he has taken on and done a great job so the, we appreciate the goodness it. the, the yeah. name of that song is if you like that song by toby mack it's called the goodness and uh bert uh when i was a youth pastor for 11 years uh toby mack and dc talk were just starting out way back then but uh anyway uh brent thank you for that bumper music it's really great but we do appreciate on, it. on the call board where shall we go first? okay we are ready to go and lines are open we got a lot of lines open today but David from Georgia has called. David, welcome. Where are what part of Georgia are you from, David? I'm in Perry. This is a little small town that's very close to Macon. Okay, been to Macon. We appreciate yeah. it. Love love central and and southern Georgia. Now, that doesn't mean I don't like northern Georgia, uh, but we appreciate you, David. You got a question for us today, brother? Yes. Oh, um, is there is it possible for an individual to go too far for God to save? Can they just sin too much, or can they just be too evil for God to redeem? Thank you for your call. Alex, let me say, God's Spirit would, does not always strive with man. I know it's true with mankind. In other words, at the Tower of Babel, he's had enough. Before that, at, when Noah built the ark, he said, man, y'all have gone that far. Can an individual go further than they need to go in their heart hardened where they do not respond to God. You know, let me say two things. No, uh, there's an old gospel song from literally 100 years ago that says there, there's there's none too black and none too mean that the rock of ages cannot clean. I mean, anybody can be saved if they will respond to God and and call on Jesus. But here's the thing in John 6, 44, 
Jesus says, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. So anybody, I don't care who you are, you can be saved if you will call out to Jesus. But here's where it gets scary. I I do think sometimes, Bert, people get so hard-hearted that they can no longer hear the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You, You see what I mean? And if you're under conviction and you're thinking about you need to get right with the Lord, well, you know that's not the world, the flesh, or the devil. Uh, calling you. If if you're thinking that you're drawn to Christ, that is because the Holy Spirit is wooing you and calling out to you. So respond. The time to turn to Christ is the minute you think, hey, I need the Lord in my life. So Bert, anybody could be saved. Nobody is too sinful that the blood of Christ could not wash them clean if they would come to Christ. But I do think sometimes people, they get so hard-hearted, they no longer are listening to the call of the Spirit. Well, I agree with that, but I I want to put some warnings with that, Alex. And by the way, that number, and we do have lines open. We got some people that are calling, but I think we'll get more calls. Triple eight five eight nine eight eight four zero. The Book of Romans, chapter one, to me is very very scary. It's scary for a country because how far will America go? Before God says, I've had enough. I, I, I just don't want to think about that, but I, we need, as Christians, we need to do our best. But in Romans, it talks about how they were unthankful, and they, God gave them over. Then God gave them over, and each time their hearts would grow harder and harder. At what time could God intervene and them respond? I pray they would. But let's don't take a chance on it. I would not take a chance. Today is the day of salvation. Ask Christ to be Lord of your life right now. And, and But I agree with Alex. If you are compelled to trust Christ, that's God calling you. He's speaking to you. So you turn away from your sin and turn to the Lord and ask him to forgive you and ask him to come in and be Lord. David, we hope that helps you, brother. Thank you for your good call. Let's go to West Virginia and talk to Chris. Chris, welcome. Hi. Good afternoon, uh, Brother Bert and Alex. I appreciate your all show. I love to listen to it every day. I just have a brief uh, question. I was listening to Dr. David Jeremiah, as I usually do uh, this morning, and he made a kind of a passing comment about uh, trying to connect a verse, uh, John 3.16, which we all know, with First John 3.16, but the passing throwaway comment was that uh, the Bible being divided the books into chapters and the verses was, and this was not his words, but it amounted to not really being divinely inspired but done by man to make it easier uh, for our brains, I guess, to, to, to understand uh, the writing and divide it up. And that just didn't strike me. Um, I, I never really thought anything uh, could be not divinely inspired about the Word of God. And I'm just curious what your all's take on it was. I appreciate your all show. God bless you. Thank you. Mm. Thank you, Chris. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, uh, praise the Lord. Uh, you know what? Just like um, somebody that creates a Bible study and takes the pre existing material and puts it, you know, I think about Warren Wearsby, who did so many great studies. I think they were led by God. Well, there was a man in 1551 named uh, Robert Estain, uh, or maybe Estian, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right, and he put these verse divisions in the New Testament. And so now the Old Testament, some of the chapter separations and verse numberings went back even as far as 1,600 years ago. But here's the thing. The pre-existing material was Genesis through Revelation, and, and it is the Word of God that was inspired, every word. And yes, the Bible is infallible, inerrant, the Word of God. But Bert, I think Robert Estain, sometimes he's called Stephanus, I think he was led by the Spirit in where the the good natural chapter divisions, you know, if you if you look at some of the ways the the Bible is divided up, like John chapter five, and you then you get to John chapter six. I really think 
this man Stephanus was very much led by the Spirit, just as David Jeremiah is led in the way that he creates curriculum. So uh, it's n- the the chapter enumerations were not part of the original manuscript. I will grant you, but um, the way that they were implemented, chapters and verse divisions, it's worked out pretty good, hadn't it? It has. <clears throat> Let's talk about inspired. When you get to the words, the book itself, it is. Inspired means God breathed. I believe the divisions were not God breathed. They were, I, I think, encouraged, inspired of the Lord, but not God breathed. Uh, because, you know, they were written, it, the whole idea was so that you could have them and locate them and share it with others. If you were just doing it yourself and it was private and not meant to be. Uh, read collectively or studied collectively, you wouldn't need the numbers. You could just go by and look at it and underline or whatever. But having those numbers, uh, the chapters, uh, I, they're Alex, with all my heart, they're not on the same par of inspiration as the words that were given to those who wrote it. That's, that's my thoughts now. Right, but um, I, I don't think they... They harm the text. No, they or, do not do that. I, in, I agree. in fact, I think it's it's helpful the way it has been divvied up. I agree with you, and hope that uh, helps you, Chris. Let me give that number again, folks. The number, if you want to call in with a Bible question, it's 888-589-8840, and we'd love to hear from you. We do, and let's go to Mississippi and talk to John. Welcome, John. I know you tried to get on yesterday. I'm glad you called back today, brother. <laughs> Oh, hi, thank you very much for taking my call. Um, I just want to share with y'all something I believe the Lord gave me concerning the Trinity and the good revelation of it. it you have to know a little bit about apologetics and uh, astronomy and apologetics, because there's, um, in apologetics, one of the things you learn is, like, when you look up at the stars, uh, you don't actually see the star in the condition that it is currently in. You're seeing kind of a past image because of the distance the light has to travel. And so... In this analogy that the Lord gave me, the sun itself would be like a type of the Father, okay? But when we look at the sun, the image that we see with our eyes would be a type of Christ. Um, and the sunlight that surrounds us, which is actually a part of the same exact thing, but what, what is surrounding us that allows us to see everything that around us, is like a type of the Holy Spirit. And um, it really does kind of have traction for me because it... it like the Holy Spirit filled the earth after Christ was crucified and the, the veil was rent. So the Holy Spirit left and filled the earth, and the Holy Spirit is what gives us revelation today. Um, the image of the sun that we see when we look up is just like Jesus coming from heaven to be the express image of the Father, you know, on the earth. And the reality that, you know, um, we don't exactly have a clear view of the Father right now until we get to heaven is like signified in the fact that we really don't know exactly what the sun looks like at this moment because we're not seeing that that specific light. We're seeing light that's come from it and travel the distance. But I just wanted to share that with you and see what your thoughts were. Okay, John, thank you. I would say this, that what you when you talk about the ministry of them is good, especially the sunlight of the Holy Spirit. Alex, you, you know, the ministry of the Trinity uh, that that was not bad. That 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 had some validity in it, uh, John. Thank you. Go ahead, Alex. Well, and and I commend you for thinking so deeply about um, the Lord and His creation. You know, Psalm nineteen says, "The heavens and earth bear witness to the glory of God." Bert, um, I have got a book somewhere, and I cannot remember the name, but it was from probably the late fifties, early sixties. And it, it was a very solid, very biblical book, but it was called The Trinity in Creation. And and it wasn't Lightfoot. Do you remember that name, um, Neil Lightfoot? Yes, I do. I don't know if it was that guy, but let me just say this. There's no perfect illustration of the Trinity because God is in a category of one. But you know, when I think about the sun, I, I, I might phrase it this way. If the sun is like the Father, and the light we see is like the S-O-N, Jesus the Son, then the heat you feel is like the Spirit, 
Because you know what, Bert? Um, I, many a time I've you're in the shade, but you step out from under the shade, and you instantly feel the heat. And so the sun, the light, the heat—it's one one thing, and yet three aspects of the experience, and they're inseparable from each other. But um, Father, Son, Holy Spirit—it uh, is probably the highest topic that the human mind could ponder. And uh, we can't fully can't fully peel that onion, but we can believe what God has revealed about Himself. It is. John, thank you, brother. And I, I I I agree with Alex. You had thought it through, and I, I love that. For as the ministries that they're doing, wow! Thank you, brother. Let's go to Arkansas and talk to Sandy. Welcome, Sandy. Hey. Thank you. Love your show. Listen to it every day going home from work. And then I also listen to the same station in the morning going to work. The pastor I'm listening to now just started a study in Revelation. And one of the comments he made was that Satan actually is a resident of heaven right now. For some reason, I have totally missed that and wondered if you could just uh, comment on that, please. Alex, uh, let me see. He was cast down out of heaven. Now, he has visited heaven. There's a lot of difference in visiting heaven before the Father like he did in the book of Job uh, than being a resident there, wouldn't you think? I I can't think of that. I don't know where that comes from. With all due respect, I would disagree. Satan is not a resident of heaven right now, and I'll tell you why. Because in Luke 10, 18, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, Isaiah 14, when Lucifer tried to take over heaven, he was cast down. And what he might, what the teacher might have been talking about, in the first chapter of Job, and Bert and I have taught through the Old Testament book of Job, uh, Satan, who is the accuser, I'll put it this way, Bert, he got within shouting distance of heaven because he's calling out to God saying, hey, Job serves you because you've blessed him. If you let me persecute and harm him, he'll curse you. So Satan, on some level, has, by God's permission, shouting distance. Maybe he might get towards the front yard, but he's not in heaven right now, Bert. He is not, and uh, again, we hope that helps, Sandy. Uh, Now, sometimes you don't throw away everything that somebody says because they make one mistake like that. But be beware, and we appreciate you calling and asking us. I would say read Job chapter 1. Yeah. Alex, guess what tomorrow is? Fire away Friday. Fire away for all questions, all the hour, folks. You don't want to miss it. And Alex, kind we kind of compete, saying how many questions can we get in <laughs> on a Friday? At the end, we count them and see if we have a new record. So be ready to call in tomorrow for Fire Away Friday here on Exploring the Word. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.